0: Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer with avascular necrosis if you killed me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Online meetings for all. Cindy Leonard and John Kenyon continue our 21 NTC coverage with strategies and tips to make your virtual meetings accessible and inclusive. They're with Cindy Leonard Consulting, and he's with John Kenyon Consulting, both aptly named. And online accessibility beyond meetings. We identify potential issues, help you prioritize what to fix, and pick out the low-hanging fruit. My guest is Martin Kakase at Bound State Software, and this is also from 21NTC. On Tony's Take 2, it's vacation planning time. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co Here is Online Meetings for All. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio Coverage of 21NTC. You know what that is, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. Conference is virtual this year. We're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. My guests now are Cindy Leonard and John Kenyon. Cindy is CEO at Cindy Leonard Consulting. And John is principal at John Kenyon Consulting. They both have aptly named companies.
1: Welcome. Welcome, Cindy. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Pleasure to have each of you. Your session is Intentional Facilitation Choices, Creating Online Meetings for All to Enjoy. I put the emphasis on all, but... I think we'll we'll explore explore why we want to do that. Um, so, uh, Cindy, let's start with you. What, what obviously this is very timely, uh, but and and online meetings we expect to continue, right? I mean, these are not going to die once the once ninety percent of the folks are have either been vaccinated or had the the coronavirus or whatever. Online meetings are not going away. What just generally, what could we be doing better? It seems like it's.
1: Seems like a lot of mediocrity. A lot of mediocrity. That's an interesting um, that's an <laughs> interesting way to put it. Yeah. Um, so so the part of this session, the idea was that, you know, now that everybody has been doing Zoom and online meetings for about a year now, you know, we've all kind of gotten used to the techno- technological parts. Um, we, we felt like it was time to do a session that goes beyond that. Somebody at the NTC, I forget the breakout session. Um, but they said that technology is a mirror. So you, you, when you hold it up to your nonprofit, it reveals all the broken processes and broken tools. And I thought that was very apt. Um, and when you think about that regarding online meetings, you know, everything in, in terms of um, inequity, inaccessibility, um, lack of diversity, power dynamics. Tend to be magnified, you know. Where those things existed in person meetings, the technology adds an extra layer of complication that makes things more inaccessible, more inequitable, unless you do specific things to to counteract that. And so that's what this session was largely about. Okay, John, do you want to add to
0: to
2: Cindy's introduction at all? Sure. That, like Cindy said, you know, we really tried to share what our vision is for inclusive meetings. And so that means that all folks can contribute equally if they desire, and that it's okay not to you know, using things like you would in person, like a a talking piece to go around and make sure everyone is able to engage meaningfully and to share. And that it's okay if if they don't want to, but digitally, we just list people's name in the chat and have everyone go through. So we make sure we don't miss anyone.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, So how can we be more intentional as we're setting up a meeting? Is that a is that is that a place to start? Or can we like sort of maybe take this chronologically through a through a meeting, the, the pre meeting, the the sure. during the meeting, and then the post meeting? Is
1: that am I doing it justice if we do it that way? Yeah, sure. we actually um we split oh, okay. the we split our section up into three main sections. One was about inclusion and power dynamics. Uh, another section was accessibility techniques: how to before, during, and after with those and experiential and reflective techniques. So we, we actually demonstrated a variety of interactive activities that could be used to engage your – as a facilitator, to engage the audience. So those were our three main sections. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is it okay if we uh, – well, I don't want I don't to mess up your
1: uh... – No, you're fine. Okay. Um, can, so can John – can we do it John, chronologically then? Is that okay? Sure, I think okay. so. Um, yeah, John and Griffin, Griffin uh, Castillo, um, who's not with us today, uh, Griffin and John were covering the power dynamics portion of this. So okay. I think starting there is probably a good idea, okay. do you think, John?
2: Sure. So yeah, Tony, if it's okay, I'm going to talk about some aspects of inclusion, and then I'll start to do that. I'll talk about before, during, and after a meeting.
0: Okay, thank you. All
2: Griffin. right. All right. So some of the aspects of inclusion that we want to make sure people are aware of are the, some of the advantages that we bring to our meetings online, from having the latest technology to having older technology or only phones, and even recognizing folks have no internet access in some areas. Understanding there's advantages when it comes to digital literacy with computers or software, Mm. even having a dedicated space to participate. Uh, Our co-presenter, Griffin Castillo, is uh, the racial equity ambassador for the Oakland school system. And so many students are sharing space with other family members, Um, understanding some people can respond quickly versus those who are reflective thinkers. So providing different modes for people to share as well as the very common advantages of having expertise seniority or rank or relational privilege. So you want to be aware of those aspects and then there are specific things you can do before during and after your meetings to make sure that you're creating an inclusive and accessible meeting.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, uh I mean I got I got to start with the uh, the obvious. It, you know, I'm I'm asking neophyte questions you you all spend have uh, spent years thinking about these things and I'm coming at it f- quite a bit newer uh, for folks who don't have the technology that's needed how do we include them in a meeting that we're planning online that has to be online by the because of the pandemic by the way if you hear any background noise I'm, I'm having some renovations done so you, you okay. might hear banging. Yeah, there's a little hammering, a little sawing, a little drilling going on, so uh that's 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 your lackluster host with a talk about a non-private. I mean, I guess uh, uh-huh. there're there much le- there are much worse environments to have to be a party to a meeting in, but I'm I'm in a lesser one than I than I would like. But that's what that that's what that is, listeners. You're you're hearing uh, my stairs being renovated. Okay. So, what about folks who don't have any they don't even have access. They don't have digital access. How do we accommodate them? How have we accommodated them, and how can we going forward in online meetings?
2: Sure. So two of the ways we talked about were make sure that you're providing offline readable versions of any documents or presentations for those who can't see them live or can't see them online, but may be able to download them as well as documenting your notes and providing recordings, either video or audio to allow folks to review materials, digest them at their own pace. And that also supports accessibility, which are some of the pieces that Cindy talked about.
0: Okay. It still seems like, I don't know. It still seems insurmountable though. I mean, if you're you're giving them a recording, but I mean, if they don't have internet access, how can you give them the recording?
2: Sure. So the example I use, I often work with Native American people, and uh, for example, sometimes they need to drive a half hour in order to get a signal on their phone, or they could go to a library on the reservation or wherever they are. So it is possible for them to get access. It just may not be live, and it just may not be high speed. So as long as you're providing those materials and there's a way for them to get them and put them on their devices or print them out if needed, that helps.
0: So, in, as you're planning meetings, you need to be aware that there may be folks that are going to raise their hand and say, "I, I can't attend a Zoom meeting at one o'clock tomorrow. I, you know, I don't have that kind of access, or I don't have the. You mentioned even the privacy. I mean, maybe they have online access, but they don't have a private space to to listen and and not, yeah, to, to to listen and participate.
2: Sure. Yeah, so I'll talk about some of the things um, that that I covered, and then I'm going to pass it to Cindy, because she's got some great uh, ideas in when it comes to accessibility for people of all abilities. So one of the things, Tony, that, like you said before the meeting, it's really important to discuss the issues that I mentioned uh, about, you know, advantages and, and our vision um, with those with privilege to get buy-in so that they understand we want to allow all voices to be heard and that we think about ways to include everyone when we're planning for meetings, um, that we, you know, make sure that that is part of our planning and that we ask attendees about accommodation needs up front during registration and that we have a plan to accommodate people with different abilities so that you know we already know somebody who can do American sign language interpretation we already know someone who can live caption uh, the presentation that we're giving Um, And I know, for example, uh, uh, other pieces that that Cindy helped us work on was if you have somebody who is sight impaired or blind, um, reading the description of any visuals that you have. And Cindy was also great because she added something called alt text that I'll let her talk about uh, two images. Cindy, talk about that for us.
0: Let them, right? Uh, Since we're talking about inclusion, accessibility, Cindy, Cindy is them.
2: Cindy? Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well we, the- I, know, I mean we just you know it, it's all done in politely but you know we, we got to be respectful right so- it's
1: all right yeah it's absolutely and i i don't balk if somebody says she her i don't um i don't freak out okay i oh, we'll do the I, best I do, th- I I do um, identify we, it as non-binary then do the better be right we we'll do the best down. we can all right all yeah right. yeah um so yeah one of the do will never things-
0: make that mistake again i assure you of that <laughs> no. okay Go ahead.
1: it's okay um so so yeah so um one of the things that we did, uh, did, we did do as, as an accessibility t- uh, technique during the meeting, and we probably should be doing this for radio interviews as well, one would think. Um, whenever we did our introductions, uh, for example, I said, I'm Cindy Leonard from blah, 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 Cindy Leonard Consulting, and I am a white, uh, white person with long, straight brown hair and green glasses. And today I have on a plaid sweater, and I'm sitting uh, with a yellow, a blank yellow wall background behind me. And the idea of describing yourself um, for people who aren't either aren't sighted or have vision impairment, but there's also people that, you know, if you've ever tried to connect to a Zoom meeting on your phone, the video isn't always great. Or maybe you're not in a place where you can watch the video, but you're listening to it. Maybe you're commuting or in your car. Um, so having that, that visual described is really important, not just for people with vision impairments, but for everyone, you know, and I talked a little bit during my piece about um, universal design, you know, and so one of the great examples of universal design, design that is good for everyone, helps people with disabilities, but is also good for more than more of an audience is the concept of curb cuts, now this is a low tech example, but the curb cut that that um, that little cutout at the corner of a sidewalk, you know, it's it's great for people with in, using a wheelchair. It's great for people using a a cane, you know, walking that they have blindness. But it's also great for women and strong women with babies in strollers. It's great for uh, delivery persons. It's great for older people who tend to trip on. You know, as we age, we tend to trip more. Um so the idea is to make your your PowerPoint and your meeting and your handouts more accessible and it helps everyone, not just people with disabilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I've had uh guests from in
0: previous NTCs make that point often. Uh usually I think in the in the context of a web, web web design.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: but it, it it benefits it benefits everyone. Uh, it reduces eye you know if 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 you're using the right contrast levels, it reduces eye strain for for everybody,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: et, cetera, et cetera. All
1: right. Yeah, it, it really does overlap. I've been um, one of my one of my consulting practice pieces is web de- website development, which I've been doing for about twenty years, and there is a lot of overlap. A lot of the things that I was saying about your PowerPoint deck also applies to your website. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, the alternative text. Alternative text is what is read in lieu of uh, the file name of a photo. So, if I'm, let's say I am a person who is blind and I'm using a, a screen reader software that is reading the web page to me or reading the PowerPoint deck to me. When it gets to the images, if it doesn't have alternative text, which is descriptive text that you've deliberately added to the image, it will read the file name of the image that's been inserted or that's uploaded. Right,
3: and that, that means, helps.
1: you know, so it'll be like, it'll read like, like image, like, it'll say like IMG 678jpg And that means nothing to anyone. Right. So the idea is to describe the images in the alternative text so that, you know, whenever, whenever I'm trying to figure out how to do that when I'm either doing a website or a PowerPoint is I like to pretend that I'm sitting here um, in my office with somebody who has vision impairment and that I'm trying to, you know, like here's a picture I'm trying to explain to them what is on the picture. So it's helpful to me to to imagine a person beside me that I'm trying to describe Hmm. something to. Mm
0: -hmm. John, how about, um, if we transition, um, we're, we're, we're a little bit all, all, all encompassing, but, uh, that's okay, that's fine as long as f- folks get the information, it doesn't really matter what what format it comes in or what what uh, what theme we use but uh, like d- is there anything you can say specific to during during a meeting that uh, maybe we haven't talked about yet that that
2: that we need to? Sure, so some of the things that we did in our uh, session and that I try to do consistently is when I introduce myself uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, using uh, sharing that I'm John Kenyon and my pronouns are he and him, just as Cindy's pronouns are they and them and you know I'm, i I'm not enforcing that or asking everyone to to say that, but it just helps people with different gender identities feel included. Something else I do is that when I introduce myself, I say that I'm coming to you from the occupied lands of the native coast Miwok people, and that I send my respects to them and their leaders past, present, and emerging. Again, to just recognize that the land on which I am currently living uh, was not originally my land. And again, helps people who are Native people feel included. And that's a practice I actually learned from my Australian colleagues um, because they're trying to be respectful of the Aborigines, the the Native Mm -hmm. Australian people. Well, I'd also say that what we try to do is have real clear guidelines for participants. Something excellent that one of our session participants shared was doing, including things such as suspending judgment, suspending guilt, suspending assumptions, and embracing awareness toward understanding. Embracing leaning into discomfort. If you don't feel comfortable, you know, with a topic or, or sharing, being able to lean into that.
0: Lean into meaning express it.
2: That that's right. Being and, in and a not, forum
0: where you can you can say something.
2: Right. And being able to say, so, you know, Tony, you're 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 our boss and you're handling this meeting and you're not letting any of, you know, the emerging leaders or the younger folks speak. And you know, finding respectful and um, positive ways to bring that out. So for example, just to name that, to say you're not letting other folks speak, why is that?
0: Yeah. Right,
2: so that I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm not shaking my finger at you, but that we're we're naming it
1: right. Bring out the power dynamics. OK. Okay. And some accessibility related things that we do during a meeting are, are they're actually pretty intuitive once once you hear them. But um, if you don't deliberately think about them, it, it, you know, you can miss things. But, for example, use plain language. You know, every industry has a lot of jargon. And you cannot guarantee everybody knows the jargon you're A saying. On non radio, we have jargon jail. Jargon
3: <laughs> jail. I like I
0: am, it. Uh, I'm not hesitant to put people in. <laughs> I like it. They transgress.
1: Yeah. Uh, acronyms are another big thing in our sector. Yeah. Everybody loves their, you know, so don't say N10. Say the Nonprofit Technology Network first, you know. Okay. Well, N10, they,
0: they don't want to be the Nonprofit Technology Network anymore.
1: I know. They're like okay. KFC. Okay. They I was be, thinking they maybe I said N10. that.
0: But I've been admonished by the CEO. <laughs> Did I maybe I said N10 earlier? But the uh, Amy Sample Ward, the the N10 CEO, is is a regular contributor, a, a technology contributor to my show. Oh, I'm sure. But so she's I'm sure. admonished me to stop saying nonprofit technology network. So
3: okay, okay. Comes
0: that comes from the top. But absolutely, acronyms. Uh, you know, fundraising is full of them. I do planned giving, and there's all kinds of acronyms around oh, trusts yeah. and and just the, the the assumption that everybody knows what you're talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, shoot my hand up and say, what is that? You know, I'm uh, right. Right. Myself. I've, I've been doing it all my life. So it's, you know uh, so I don't mind people, <laughs> but,
1: but if one person doesn't understand, it's probably 50. You don't exactly. So, um, another, still. another point. Another point is to give sufficient time a little more than you think you need to for people getting into breakout rooms on, on the online software um, for getting to any third party exercises, responding in the chat box any interactive activities, not everybody is a fast clicker, you know, like I'm, I'm a power user, I guess you could say on a, on a laptop or a computer. So I'm really fast on the clicking. Um, But not everybody is like that. People need time. Some people need more time to find what they're supposed to be doing or go where they're supposed to be going. So you want to be careful about that as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Um, How about uh, after, after the meeting? Follow-up, John, you had mentioned, uh, I think it was you, John, uh, readable documents. Uh, what, else, what else should we do, be doing in follow-up to, to be sensitive to?
2: Sure. So just to reiterate, like I said, making sure that you have all your documents and and notes and things like that, that you can share with people so they can download them and read them offline or, or print them out. Something else that was suggested in our session and that we try to do is post meeting surveys and ask, how did we do with inclusion? How did we do with accessibility you know if you're an emerging leader did you feel centered did you feel excluded or or included did we give everyone time and space to to participate whether they're able to share immediately or there are more reflective thinkers like many of us are
1: cindy anything you want to add there no not at all that that's great john that was a great summary Okay. Um, I would like to send a shout out to our, our, we've mentioned Griffin Castillo, one of our co-presenters.
0: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to put a moratorium on
1: mentioning him because he didn't join us for the interview here. No. No. No, so our other co-presenter whose name I don't think we've mentioned yet is Jean Allen and Jean Allen um, is, is she's, she's a dual role. She's with a, a nonprofit. She's on the board of a nonprofit in North Carolina with whose name, which name of which I cannot remember. Um, but she's also uh, independent nonprofit consultant herself. She's been at it for many years. Very smart lady, Jean ran. Um, she talked about all of the interactive how, exercises. How to incl- include more engagement in your breakout session to make it more interesting, or in your in your online meeting. Um, um, is there
0: anything from that that you can you can share? Maybe not yeah, as sure. well as Jean would have, but you were, I mean, yeah. folks are looking for engagement possibilities in online.
1: Yeah. What, what, what can you reveal? Yeah. It was something as simple uh, to an exercise. She called a chatter ball exercise, chatter ball, like a waterfall. Um, and we put a, we put a question on the screen that says an idea emerging for me is blank. And she had them all not hit send, but to I'd add their uh, answers or their reflections in the comments box or the chat box. And then she had them all hit send at the same time. And it was just this beautiful cascade of all kinds of thoughts and comments all coming out at once. And there was a lot of, there were a lot of unifying ideas and themes that emerged from that. Hmm. And then she also showed us a tool, Wait, which hold I thought,
0: on, Cindy, what, tell me again, what was the lead to that? What was the the,
1: the, 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 the statement that folks were supposed to fill in the blank? What was it? So we asked them to just tell us an idea emerging for me. Meaning emerging from the session so far, okay, is and then they were supposed to finish the sessions. Right. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and Go if he had a you have any question, of course, of course. Um, and Gene also did a live example of a Google Jam board. So jam like, like let's jam, you know. Um, and it, it's a really it's almost like an inner John. You can help me with the description on this. It's almost like a like an interactive multi-user whiteboard. It reminds me of a smart board that you have in a, in a classroom or a meeting room, except that everybody accesses it at the same time. And you could add post-it notes and, and print on it and scribble on it. It's really neat. It's part right. kind of the, the Google suite.
2: That's, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if, as we often do in offline meetings, you have a wall where people are putting up Post-its, and people can put up Post-its and write anything they want on them. We were able, even showed folks how we were able to upload images and pictures. So it's, as Cindy said, this nice interactive place where people can share. You could even do something like, here's a question, do you agree or not? And, and put your Post-it, you know, five is totally agree, one is I don't agree at all. So you get a spectrum of answers and see where people lie on the answer to the question. It's not just thumbs up or thumbs down.
0: And this is called a Google jam board, jam board. board. And how does it relate to using zoom for meetings? Is it a, is it like a screen share? Someone shares their screen and they show their jam board and then everybody,
1: no, everybody can't participate. How does it work with a zoom meeting? You give them a link and you send them off to the the tool. They stay in zoom. They stay in the zoom room, but Uh. So they keep Zoom active, but you're sending them to their browser, and it opens in a browser tab.
0: Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. So everybody's doing it independently along alongside Zoom. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, we have just a couple minutes left. Uh, anything that we haven't talked about that either of you want to bring up in the closing couple minutes?
2: Sure. So I think for my closing, I would just share a participant quote from our session, which, which really resonated with me. And they said, even if I'm a participant rather than a leader of a group, I can still practice and demonstrate accessible and inclusive practices by describing visuals, making sure I engage people in the chat, sharing my pronouns, making sure I provide room for everyone to share.
0: John, why don't you describe your background? Let's try to put this into practice and I'll I'll, I'll do it in my clothes. Go ahead. Or, Or describe yourself and your background.
2: Great. So um, uh, I'm John. I'm a white male. I've got gray hair and a little bit of a beard. I'm sitting in a room that has white walls. Um, I've got a um, kind of a delft blue curtain behind me uh, and some flowers. Uh, The flowers are called Veronica. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that's and I'm wearing a dark blue shirt.
0: I'm Tony. I have a red T-shirt on. My hair is mostly white, a little smattering of dark the remaining, but, but it's, it's stunning and dashing nonetheless, even though it's 90% white. Uh, I don't know you're not, you're not supposed to, that's <laughs> supposed to editorialize, right? You're supposed to keep it factual. Right. I have this stunning, stunning, boring background of uh, my HP printer and uh, pretty much white walls behind uh, in a red t-shirt and uh, I wear glasses. I wear glasses. Nice. That was excellent. That uh-huh. All right. They are, Cindy Leonard, CEO, Cindy Leonard Consulting, and John Kenyon, Principal, John Kenyon Consulting. Thanks to each of you for sharing. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, John. Thank you for having us.
2: Real pleasure. Thank you, you, Tony.
0: Thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Let's talk a little bit more detail about them. The ambitious Biden agenda released a couple of weeks ago. Is there anything in there that impacts your work, touches on what you do at all? Anything you'd like to be heard on, maybe quoted on, be a trusted source about? You can improve your chances of getting an op-ed published or being a source or getting quoted working with Turn 2, because they have the relationships to make these things happen for you. So, so much better than you or someone in your office cold calling a journalist or a blogger, whoever it is that you're tr- trying to reach that doesn't know you. You want somebody who's got the relationships? You want Turn 2. Because your story is their mission. Turn-2.co dot 2co it's time for Tony's take two. It's time to plan your summer time off. Yes, I. Uh, it's finger wagging time, no camera here. But you got to take care of yourself, folks. Please, you need to take care of yourself this summer. What a what a eighteen months it's been. Maybe last summer was a, a, a blur. Uh, certainly, you, you couldn't go anywhere and. I hope you didn't, because it wasn't safe. It's changed. Plan, you know that. Huh? Master of the obvious. So plan your summer. Get it. Let's get the plans going. Get the reservations made. Book the week. Book the two weeks. You got to block it and then preserve it. Preserve it for yourself. Honor it. It can't be interrupted. You got to set the boundaries. Set that time for yourself and make boundaries around it. Honor that time. No, I'm sorry. Can't get together then. No, I won't be able to do that meeting. No, no, no. That that weekend's not good. No, that week isn't good either. you got to make time for yourself and preserve it. Please, for yourself, your family, if you have a family. Get that time away this summer. You need it. You deserve it. You want to take care of others? Whether it's on the professional side, those folks you take care of, or it's on the family side, you want to take care of your family, you got to take care of yourself. Please, this summer, especially, of all ti- of all summers, since last summer was such a bad bust, set the time aside, honor it, no encroachments, do it for yourself, do it for those who you take care of. That is Tony's take two. We have Buku, but loads more time for Nonprofit Radio. Here is Online Accessibility Beyond Meetings. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. With me now is Martin Kakase, President of Bound State Software. Martin, welcome to Nonprofit Radio's coverage of 21NTC.
3: Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Your session was 10 Common Accessibility Issues and How to Fix Them. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to start at the basic ground level. Let's just define what accessibility is before we identify the issues?
3: Yeah. So I think you can define accessibility as making, well, in this case, like your websites, making it accessible to everyone. And what that means is that there's four different levels. So um, whether they're perceivable, which means that people can like actually uh, see what's going on Uh, operable, which means they can actually not like use your website without um, special requirements. So if you, for example, um, a mouse or something like that, they might not be able to to use that. Um, understandable. So that means that they they want to be able to, you want to be able to make sure that people, when they go to your website or accessing some content, that they can understand what's going on. It's not confusing and robust. It means that it, it's just uh, future proof and it can be used across uh, various types of like, uh, technology, so like web browsers or um, screen readers and stuff like that. So it, it kind of encompasses all that. It's making it, it's making your website um, be accessible to, to everyone apart from if they have um, impairments or anything like that, disabilities.
0: Do we know what the penetration rate is among nonprofit websites if we use that definition of accessibility? Um sorry, can you say that again? Do we know what the penetration rate is? How, how common are accessible websites in in nonprofits uh, using your definition?
3: I to be I don't have a specific number uh per se, but from just from my research and from browsing different types of websites, nonprofit yeah. websites is not it's not too common. Like it's it's something that I think it's becoming more uh top of mind but uh like i see it in proposals or rfps and stuff like that more more and more and more often especially if the organization has like some government funding and the requirements come from that but it's not something that's um, commonly found
0: really all right so there's a lot of room for improvement
3: yeah i think okay. so
0: okay okay um can you help us spot uh potential problems on our own website yeah. Yeah. got yeah. Good.
3: Thank For you. For sure. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what um uh, my talk was, and at the conference, and I just wanted to give people some some tools and like some understanding of what's going on their website, so they can they could take them take them home and start working on it, and and seeing you know, like how can we make our websites more accessible. It might not be like fully accessible in terms of there's various levels, but at least getting started. So at the most basic level, so somebody that's using assistive technology can can use your website. That's that goes a long way. So yeah,
0: well, I mean, we're not going to be able to do everything overnight. It's not going to be like flipping a switch. But no, we can we can approach this incrementally and make it more make our site more accessible.
3: Yeah, exactly. I right. think that's the right. the right approach. Um, okay. So I think to to begin with, I wanted to like differentiate between um, a couple of different issues. So like. Sometimes these issues are, are caused by um, their technical issues. So it might be caused by the templates or in quotation marks, the code. Um, so you might need a developer uh, to, to help you with it. Mm. And other ones are, are more like low hanging fruit. I think it's just like things that are related to content. So a lot of the nonprofits use like content management systems to, to up their websites, to create blogs and content. So some of this stuff can be like fixed through just having an understanding of, okay, what are the guidelines I should follow um, to create more accessible content?
0: Okay. Yeah. So let, let's, let's focus on the low-hanging fruit, the stuff we can do on our own because our listeners are small and mid-sized shops. So you know, sure. they, they very, may very well not have an internal developer and hiring an external developer may be outside their means. So let's talk about yeah. the stuff we can, we can do on our own. Yeah, let's cool do that. Fruit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is, it's pretty basic, but it's um it's page title. So page titles are very important for, for orientation. It's the first thing, like, for example, screen reader reads when you're move like when you land on a new page, it's a good way to differentiate and move between pages and move between pages. So um, you want to make sure that page titles are unique and they provide um, – enough information to to know what that page is about. Um, and another tip that you want to be looking for is that you want to make sure that the most unique and most relevant information comes first. So rather than putting like your organization name first, you want to put it at the end and make sure that, like whatever the page is about, it comes at the, at the beginning. And this is also, some of these practices are also like best practices for, for the web, but also for like SEO and things like that.
0: Can can you explain why does the organization name go at the bottom? Why is that lower priority? Because
3: be, because you want to make sure that whatever is the most important part, the most relevant to that page comes first oh, and just, then your organization okay. comes after.
0: Okay. They already know they're on your organization site. So
3: Yeah. Right. So oh. per, perhaps oh. if you're on the homepage, okay. you wouldn't follow that. Like maybe like depends how your SEO strategy is. But if you're on the about page or or a blog article, you want to make sure that the title is at the beginning of the title of the blog or the title of your about page, because that's kind of what that person is looking for. Otherwise it's, it can be distracting.
0: Okay. Okay, what else? What other Um
3: another thing is just headings. Like this is again this is pretty basic things, but you yeah. want to make sure that when you're crafting content, um and a lot of the the usability um guidelines go hand in hand with like uh just the, sorry, the accessibility guidelines go hand in hand with usability. Um so when you're making like let's say creating content for the web, you want to make sure that it's split up and you're using headings appropriately so the content is more digestible so it's easier to understand but it um, and then also if you're using these headings you want to make sure that they follow um, a a hierarchy so typically pages will start with uh, heading one which is the largest heading that'll be the page title and as you work down the page you want to make sure that that hierarchy is maintained so then that would follow by uh, an h2 tag which if, again, if you're using a content management system, you would be able to just select the H2 tag. It's similar to like a Word, uh, like a, a Word document and things like that. Um, and then a little bit more technical is you want to make sure that when you when you're selecting these headings that they actually look like headings. And on the code side, you want to make sure that they are for like they are semantically. Um, tagged as headings. So what that means is like in the actual page code is the, there's like a little tag that says H1, H2, H3. So it needs to be created that way because um, they're used as anchors uh, for, again, for screen readers to to be able to understand what's going on. So people so can skip like through just, sections. That yeah. sounds
0: like it's just a matter of highlighting the code, uh, sorry, highlighting the text and tagging it as H1, H2, H3, whatever yeah. it
3: is. Yeah, exactly. And there's little tools that you could use. Like you don't have to know how to look at the code. Like there's plenty of um,
0: yeah. We're trying to avoid, we're
3: trying
0: to yeah. avoid the code for for right now. Yes, yeah. you can do at our desk if we're not a developer.
3: Yeah, you could do this. Like um, as long as you, if you're using WordPress, you could just select the right appropriate tag, and if the the theme or or the template you're using is properly done, then this should, you shouldn't have any issue.
0: Okay. Okay. Other low-hanging fruit. I, I'm sure yep. you got a bunch of this, bunch of these.
3: Yeah, yeah. So another one is uh, your link text. A lot of the times, like people will put in something like, "For more information about my organization, click here." Now, um, you you want to make sure that you're when you're creating links that people understand, like where they're going, uh, like where where that link is is taking them, and. So you want to be able to, when you're creating these links, you want to create create context rich links. Um, and the reason for that is because some, some assistive technologies allow, allow them to, to view all the links in one page. Just so you would land on a page, see all the links, and they're listed in order. So say that you have a lot of click here's, like they don't really make sense out of context. So it doesn't really help them. It's confusing. So rather than doing something like that, you want to make sure that the 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 links make sense out of context so you want to say learn more about my organization that's the entire link so when somebody's scanning through all the links it makes sense to them
0: oh all right so yeah. it's a matter of which words are linked yeah
3: exactly just keep
0: and linking the word here here here
3: exactly yeah and 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 the same thing goes with buttons for example you don't want to have like buttons that are just generic like submit you want to make sure that they're descriptive so again, this goes hands in hand with uh, usability, so you want to make sure that the button says for example, if it's a newsletter, subscribe to a newsletter so they know what the action they're taking.
0: I see all right that that explains something that I've wondered about why some people have uh, or some and I see it mostly in journalism too, and now I'm thinking about it. you know like five or six words will be highlighted as the link mm-hmm. instead of one of them.
3: yeah, right. and it's also it, it's, it's also but yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's it's also better for SEO too, because you're, that's kind of um, in, in essence like Google crawls your site through a bot, so and it's very similar how a screen reader will read it. So they would lo- they look at the links, and it's like okay, this link is this, um, and then you would you insert that phrase, and then that's how it, it starts to understand what's going on on your website and where web pages to navigate to, very and, good. and so okay. Yeah,
0: content rich links. All right, give us more. Give us yeah, more. yeah. So and radio.
3: Yeah, and another one is um, text alternatives. I, I'm, I'm sure everyone, well, not everyone, but this is more familiar. Like alt text is the text alternative description of an image. So of course, if you if if you can't see and you're using a screen reader, you, you can't see what the image is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can you can provide a description for the image um, about what that image is about, uh, or the fun- or why that that image is there. So what's the function? Um, if it's just like a decorative image you don't you don't need to put anything but if if it serves a purpose it's important to to have that there where do you Uh, put that description so typically when you're uploading a new image on your content management system uh you have the option that there'll be like a little descriptor field it'll even say alt text and then you could just put it in there
0: alt text okay yeah
3: okay yeah it's 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 it, it's very common. It's just a lot of times you're like uploading Im- a lot of images and going through like doing a million things. So it's one of the things that's easy to, to miss and it, it can be hard to also to, to think about what, uh what, what to put in there. So I think okay. it's, Other, if it's, yeah,
0: I guess otherwise the, the person, the screen reader is just going to see like a, a file name.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, image yeah.
0: Image seven dot JPEG, which is, yeah,
3: Course. yeah or it may, maybe a default value that the the programmer put in there it might say default <laughs> okay so yeah it's it's not great either one um, yeah, yeah. And, right. and then in the same in lines with the uh with the links that we talked about before a lot of times you use images as links so you want to make sure that in the alt text you're including including the the destination if you're using an image for a link making sure okay where is this link taking me it's it's kind of tied into what we talked about before
0: yep Okay, about the the content, content and the links.
3: Okay. Yeah. Others. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, number five would be uh, multimedia, like so, a podcast, for example, um, not available like to people with heart, with hard of hearing or deaf. Um, visuals and, and videos are not available to people who are blind. So you wanna you wanna provide a way to to help these people. Um, not only that, it's just People without without disabilities, if you're out, I don't know, taking the the train or something, you want to watch a video, but you don't want the sound to be on. Having captions um, is very useful. Um, if you're learning le- a new language, like I learn English, like having captions is very useful to understand what's going on. So there's many uses of why multimedia should have um, should provide an alternative to to consume that. So. Like a
0: transcript, uh, but,
3: yeah. a transcript for podcasts. Yeah, a transcript for podcast for audio and visual content, uh, maybe captions. Um, I mean, it, they can be quite elaborate, elaborate to to create, but uh, it's it's one of the the requirements for uh, or guidelines for for accessibility. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, I think the these next two are it's, it's ones that I talked about before, but. Um, and they kind of go hand in hand. One is simple content. like A lot of what I see a lot is just like people just dumping information and information on their websites. And I think it's important, especially with for people with cognitive disabilities or really anyone, if you're landing on a page and it's just like blocks of text that you have to scan through and try to understand what's going on, like it's not very usable. And again, it's not accessible. So you want to make sure when you're creating content, you really think about what Message you're trying to convey, and you you format it in a way that's simple and uses simple language. So, uh, try to aim for an eighth grade level, and there's some tools there that kind of help you with that uh, and ho- like help you uh, edit your your content so it's more digestible.
0: Okay, eighth grade. I'm I'm wondering if I've even heard lower than that, like sixth grade. I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I think I think there is. I use a, a tool called uh, Hemingway Editor. And I think that one even goes down even further, but, um, yeah, I think if you get to eighth graded, it gives you a check Mark. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Is Hemingway, is that a free resource that listeners can use?
3: Yeah. 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 You just go I think it's just, if you Google Hemingway editor, it's just like a free tool you can use online. Okay. It,
0: Hemingway, yeah. That's cool. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I like, I like resources. All right. Yeah. And you said there's something related to that.
3: Yeah. So same, same thing. It's, uh, Your your layout, we talked about the headings, simple content, they all go hand in hand. Layout in terms of like how you're structuring your page. Uh, You want to make sure it's just simple, straightforward. Um, I'm not going to go into more than this because it it goes into more like design and things that you really can't, you you can't really change without the help of maybe a designer or a developer. So I won't touch on more on that. Uh, But the next one I will touch on is uh, contrast ratio, and this is another one that's quite popular. When you think of accessibility, it's like, oh, okay, like it needs to be like the contrast needs to be enough so people can can read what's the, the text, um, right? So, one of the things you want to use is th- there's plenty of tools out there if you if you just Google contrast checker. Um, I think one I have here in front of me is webim.org and it's contrast checker. That's I think the one I use most of the time. Um, you just put in two colors and there's just like, it spits out two, two different results, whether it passes or not. Um, so that, that's pretty straightforward. It falls within like the template sort of, but, uh, now more and more like with the CMS, you, you, you can, you can change anything, right? Like you can change the color, depending on the flexibility of of the template. Um, a big one is images. So like a lot of nonprofits like to use images, um, because it, obviously it's an easier way to like resonate with your audience. Like you can, you get a better feel of what, what they're about. But the problem is that they like, it's common to overlay text over it. And now you're giving your staff the ability to upload new images and then change the text. Um, and then that becomes really tricky if, if it's not a, an, a, a nice theme or if, if the image is not great, um, now you, you're having contrast issues. So like, for example, having simp- like simple overlays, it's like making sure your image is dark enough so there's some contrast um, goes a long way. There's other tips for in terms of design that you could do to overcome that, but um, like putting like a little background on, on the actual text so it stands out more. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of the tips is just be careful on the images you're picking, making sure there's enough contrast or if it's not adding some, sort, if you if you have the skills, just adding a bit of like a, a darker um, rectangle over top, like through w- whatever image processing uh, software that, that you use.
0: And you can check this with what's the, oh, by the way, I want to just listen, make sure everybody knows CMS is your content management system. Yes. Yeah. Just, just in case uh, anybody yeah. questioning that I'm not going to put Martin in jargon jail. Cause I think CMS is pretty, pretty widely known, but, yeah. If you get, if you get too jargony, Martin, then I have jargon jail.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: okay. I'm not, Sounds I'm, good.
0: I'm not, but I'm not putting you in there for CMS. I think that's pretty, it is it is widely known, but just, yeah. just in case there's any listeners who don't know CMS is your content management system. And what's Thanks, the, Tony. Uh,
3: absolutely. But be careful
0: because you've transgressed,
3: yep. you know, I, you in. I don't, uh, I don't want to go to jail. I don't have a jail free card. So.
0: Yes, that's right. Well, <laughs> I, I allow, uh, um, uh, parole is not too hard to get.
3: Okay. That's good. Good to hear. <laughs> What's the uh, contrast checker again, that uh, resource that folks can use? So it's web, so uh, I'll, it's webaim.org. Okay. Um, and then you, if you go to the website, it's just under the resources, is contrast checker, yeah. Okay.
0: And you yeah. can just Google contrast checker as well.
3: Yeah, there's, t- there's probably like more than 20 uh, different tools.
0: All right. But uh, Martin Kakase's recommended one is uh, webaim.
3: Yeah, yeah, they have a few other tools too. It's the
0: one that's uh, it has got the blessing. It's got the <laughs> Yeah,
3: Kase blessing. All right. <laughs> sure, let's go with that.
0: All right. So is that, uh, does that exhaust the ones
3: that folks can do on their own without a developer? Or? Let's see. I think the last one is actually, um, it's not really an issue, but something that's nice to have is uh, an accessibility statement. And during my uh, talk, uh, a couple of people liked this. Um, so there, an accessibility statement is just, it's an important it's kind of think about it like a privacy statement, but for accessibility mm-hmm. it shows your users that you you kind of care about uh, accessibility and about them uh, provides them with information about the accessibility of your content what what steps are you taking to to do um, to make your website accessible and then you can provide an option to to receive feedback so if they notice any problems they can they can they can reach out and let you know because issues will come up as you create new content or things get updated, there'll be regressions and um, you kind of have to stay on top of it. Accessibility is just periodically do checks to make sure that uh, nothing, nothing fails. So. yeah, oh,
0: that, yeah. That, that, that bleeds into maintaining accessibility over time. Mm-hmm. We have a few more minutes left. What's your advice around keeping this up?
3: Yeah. So I think to, to keep this up, and you got to understand that again, regressions are common if you're constantly updating your website and uploading new content i think uh, having manual checks periodically so maybe once a month you have a bit of a checklist to go through um it's it's a good idea i think sharing some guidelines with your team it's it'll go a long way rather than be um reactive and, and fix changes as they come up like you can make sure that new content that you're creating meets the guidelines so it's just having like a little checklist of okay, well, these are the common things that you want, We want to stick with, uh, will go a long way. And then for later, like, or if your budget allows, there's a bunch of automation tools that will like run tests for you um, on your website. So if you're a bigger site and you th- have thousands of articles or, or things like that, you might want to look into into that. And and, and accessibility is, a, is important to you, that it might be worth it. Um, so, for example, I have here, um, like from Deque Uh So it's like a, an extension. Um, th- there's also Accessibility Insights from Microsoft, or again the same website I I linked to before, WebAIM. Uh, they have a Wave AXE evaluation tool that you can. Okay, wait, you l- can let's take
0: those one at a time. By yeah. the way, I have some uh, floor work going on, so if you hear a circular saw or some hammering <laughs> or drilling, okay. That's- Renovations outside. My- no
3: worries. If you're a crying baby, that's that's my baby outside the door. <laughs> so, oh, okay. no okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard any.
3: All right. Okay, great.
0: Uh, wait, let us tick through those um, those those resources again a little slower.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so there's acts by Deek. Um, let's see if I have the. I don't really have. Yeah. So, like, the website is d e q u e dot com forward slash acts. Ax, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Ax? A-X-E, yeah axe forward slash axe okay.
3: Then the other one is again the um the it's the same website I mentioned before. They have an evaluation tool. So all of these are kind of like extensions you install, install in your browser, and then you can click a button, and it tells you all these all the issues on your page. Okay. So it's kind of yeah. like a handy thing. Yeah.
0: The other one was the what web dot aim.
3: Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay and and so all right so there's a, there's a an accessibility checker there as well
3: yeah and then the last one is by microsoft it's just this one is easy it's accessibilityinsights.io okay
0: yeah accessibilityinsights.io yeah all right we like free tools we like free yeah, totally to bring this uh, bring this
3: Oh, and and, and i guess I'll, I'll do one more um okay there's a Khan Academy has one that is quite friendly. I I don't, I mean, I like it. It's just like a little tool that you add to your bookmark. And then whenever you go to a website, you just click on that and it creates like a little pop-up. So if you Google, it's just Khan Academy and it's uh, it's T O T A 11 Y. Wait a minute. Wait a
0: minute. (laughs) (laughs) Khan Khan K H A N.
3: Yeah. Academy Khan Academy. Okay. Yeah. And then the tool is it's, T O T A 11 Y
0: T O T A 11 Y.
3: Yeah. So I think I don't have an actual URL for it, but it's a tool I use. uh, Okay.
0: Well, we can find it at Khan academies.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Thank you for those uh, free resources. I like those. We're going to leave it there, Martin. All right. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. He's Martin Kakase president of bound state software. Thank you again, Martin. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio Coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. Next week, First Generation Wealth with Esther Choi. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications. PR and content for nonprofits, your story is their mission. Turn 2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio Big Nonprofit Ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.